Good morning again. Um, earlier, earlier last week, when Pastor was going to be gone, she asked me if I'd want to share for a little bit. Actually, I think she said, "Are you ready?" And I said, "Ha ha ha, no." Anyway, um, and I thought that right offhand, I had something that the Lord had been talking to me about, and it took about five minutes of praying before uh, He changed my mind. So this is what you're going to get today. I'm going to um, let me get organized here. That's. I'm going to, what he's been kind of showing me is the fear of the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and start and finish, I believe, in Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 15. You don't have to go there. I'll read it a couple if you want to, obviously, go ahead. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment every secret thing, whether good or evil. The end of all matter. Nothing else matters. Throughout life, everything's been done once. It seems like all movies we see, whether it be Spider-Man, it's been around for 100 years and they remake it. So that book is pretty philosophical. That's a big word for Jerry today. Uh, So basically... What really, really matters is the fear of God. And in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Excuse me. Let me calm down. The fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of all of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord. When I think of fear, or I used to think of fear, you get uh, something scares you and you're curled up in a corner sucking your thumb in the fetal position, but that's not what he's talking about here. And and in in the Scriptures, uh, the disciples were scared. When Jesus calms a storm, I'm standing in a boat, and some guy stands up and says, stop it, to a storm. I might get a little nervous. (laughs) He's going to... It, it would make me wonder, and as well as when he was walking on the water, that uh, we might look at somebody differently. They come walking across the pool and not sink. So even in the resurrection, when they when the disciples saw him raised from the dead, they just saw this man get beat and whipped and hung on a cross, unrecognizable, and comes back from the dead three days later. We might think a little differently about uh, who we're worshiping. In, in today's age, um, you know, we I think of fear. They put uh, they put cameras in our semis. I act a little different when I drive now. I it, and if you know that someone's going to be looking at you twenty four seven and all your actions, but even with God, with your thoughts, your desires, and any action, is it's all known to God. I had a lot more than this. So we are not to fear the God, fear God as if we should be scared of him. Actually, I think that's another situation. As you grow in your relationship, it will be deeper than doing it out of awareness and out of respect and love for God of how we act on a day-to-day basis. In this definition, it says the fear of the Lord God is the awareness of God's presence and coming judgments. We will all be judged sooner or later. And for us to walk with His presence, whether it be right beside us, behind us, on top of us, in our seat, 
is is very important. So I, I I don't know. I don't speak for everyone in the military. I know uh, we acted a little different when an officer walked in the room, or for kids, your teachers walk in the room. We always stood up a little bit taller and probably probably didn't talk as loud or or about whatever we were talking about at that time. But uh, that's something we have to think about it at, on constantly is to have have him with us, and he is with us, and knows everything. Everything. <laughs> Nothing is hidden. The, the devil doesn't know what we're thinking about, but God sure does. And and to walk around with that in your mind constantly will change your behavior, and it will grow your, your walk with God quickly. And it's hard to do. After just reading this in the last few days, boy, you say, hey, you know, you, you check yourself a lot quicker. I do anyway. On, uh, on, I used to, well, I still struggle with uh, driving and getting a little angry at some drivers on the road. There's a, a lot of different opinions out there coming through Minneapolis in a snowstorm, but I'm getting better. <laughs> but and and just just the constant reminder of that does help me. Uh, the definition of wisdom. We'll go after fear. We've got fear of the Lord, which is basically we need to be aware of his presence with us at all the time. And when we do fear the Lord, that's going to be the beginning of the wisdom in our walk with him. Now, wisdom is the ability to contemplate an act using knowledge and experience, understanding and common sense. Now, we have the ability, but that's through experience. So experience will be reading your word. And constantly the reminder of who he is and who we have been made to be in our walk with him. Now, once you have knowledge, now I'm gonna knowledge and understanding. Understanding would be I can well knowledge would be I can read the Bible left to right and quote it, but not have a clue what it says. I'll tell you what it says, but I don't know what it says. Understanding will be reading the Bible, knowing it front to back, and also understanding what he's telling you and how we are supposed to do and getting the good out of the Bible. I remember Richard uh, gave an analogy of a pilot, you know, or a, a very intelligent man reading a pilot's novel, not a novel, a booklet, pamphlet, instruction manual, how to fly. And he knew everything about how to fly, but he's never flown. And then there was a young farm boy that was a uh, crop duster, had been flying all his life. And he said, who would you rather fly with? I'd rather fly with a crop duster because he's had the knowledge, or excuse me, the understanding of how to do it. But... I think in perfectness would be the guy with the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One, God, is understanding. So when we start with the fear of the Lord and do that, we're going to come into a place where we're walking, where we need to be walking. But I will. Uh, my main points um, of where I started with those are Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I think that is just a huge, huge building block where you can anyone can start. I mean, that's that's a big one. That's it, the foundation. And when it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, I sit there and think, well, what's that? Well, I can start with fearing the Lord, and he's going to tell me what, what his kingdom's like, what I can be doing in, in every aspect of my life. And then you go back to Ecclesiastes, the fear, okay, excuse me, the end of all matters, so everything, the end of it. As it has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, 
every secret thing, whether good or evil. Those are some pretty tough verses. And I think uh, as young children, obviously, they think of God as my dad, and it's all cheerful and great things. But we have to, as, as we grow, need to understand the fact that we're talking to God Almighty, the creator of the universe. He's our dad. But, you know, we still have a duty to walk as adults and grow and not, oh, it's going to be okay. So I guess that's that's what I had. The accountability is, is a big thing. Obviously, we're going to be accountable. Everybody's going to stand in front of the judgment seat. And the earlier we learn this, and I wish I would have learned it a lot earlier than 47 years old, uh, and I tell my children that, and they're smiling right now. We'll see if they listen. But, uh, you know, it, I don't know. Your walk isn't going to be any easier. It's not easy to follow the Lord. Anybody that tells you it's going to be, I want to know what they're talking about. Because it seems the harder I dig into this, <laughs> here comes another smack. You know, something's coming up. But that's okay because we got all the power and the tools we need. So I believe that should do it. Dennis? All right. So I'm going to build on that a little bit. So, you know, as I, as I read through the Bible, there's, there's some threads that go all the way through it. And I'm going to try to connect a few dots of a thread that goes through it. And I'm going to read, I'm going to, quote a familiar scripture, but I'm going to quote it with the Dennis Woolman interpretation of it. <laughs> uh, but you know, we just celebrated Christmas, and you know, we all get gifts, but the real gift is God's gift to us, because on Christmas, he gave the greatest gift that could ever be given. And you know, we think of Jesus as the Savior. We know he, we confess him as Lord, and we believe that he died for our sin, and he gives us life. But the, but the gift is unwrapping everything he gave us in him. He gave us himself. And, and so his life is really the gift. It's eternal. So he gave us his life. And so there's a, a thread that goes through the scriptures that that gives the commandment, the commission, and the life of Christ. Because he is the equipping. He is he is the, the spirit, the 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 gift, the the tool, he's everything that we need. He is the life we need to obey the commandment and to carry out the commission. And so I'm going to start with a very 
familiar scripture, John 3.16. And I'm going to quote it a little different than it says it. So, it says in my translation, it says, for love so loved the world that love gave love that whoever believes in love shall not perish but have eternal love because God is love so anywhere it says God you can you can translate it love because he is love and this is eternal life is to love God is to know God and to love God. Because knowing God is loving God. If we go to, and I'll, I'll probably get there, it's in the book of John. So, so the gift of God that he gave us that we celebrated yesterday, and we're still celebrating every day of our life, is love. He is love. And he puts the spirit of love in us because his commandment, and, and he says, if you love me, Jesus, this, you know, the words of Jesus, if you love me, you'll keep my commandment. And I'm going to show you in, in the scripture what that commandment is, because he says what his commandment is right after he says that. Well, I'll just quote, he said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So the commandment is love. And what is what is the great commandment? The great commandment, as quoted by Jesus and also from the book of uh, Leviticus, maybe it's Deuteronomy, is to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole strength, your whole soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So the commandment is love. And then Jesus said, on these two commandments, loving God and loving people, fall all the laws and the prophets. So every the whole Old Testament is fulfilled in those two commands. The command is love. So, so God gives himself to us and he's love. And his, his command to us is to love. And the only way we can love is if we allow the spirit of God within us to live in us. And we live our life by the spirit of God, which is love. Because he never intended for us to live life in our own abilities, because we would certainly fail. But he intended us to just relax. Just relax. <laughs> and just live, let him lean on his life and let his life come out, because he put it in us. When we got born again, he put his love in us. And so we just need to relax. 
and quit trying to do it ourselves and just let his love rise to the top and just overflow and bubble out of us. So then he gave us a commission. And the commission was to go into all the world and preach love to every creature. And so, because the good news is, the gospel, the good news, is that God who is love gave himself to us so that we could love. Because love is eternal. Love never ends. It's the only thing that's eternal. And we could say his word never ends either. But Jesus is the living word, and Jesus is love. So the word is love also. It, but it's love that's eternal, and it never ends. And so heaven is going to be wonderful, because the only thing there is love. There is no fear. There is no evil. So contrasting contrasting love with human nature, human nature is selfishness. Love is selflessness. It doesn't it it considers everyone else, it esteems, it values everyone else higher than it values itself. So if we're valuing ourselves, that's human nature. If we're valuing other through the eyes of God, that's love. And so when we have their best, other people, best interest at heart rather than our own, then we're walking in the love of God. So, so, so God is love. He gave us love. He gave us a commandment to love. And he gave us a commission to share his love with others. So, there's a scripture that says, uh, it, well, it, it's actually 1 John 4.18, says that perfect love casts out all fear. So, First of all, so anytime there's fear, we know that fear comes from a spirit that God hasn't given us because that spirit is the enemy. He's the spirit of fear. He's, he's the father of lies. And so everything that tries to get us away from walking in the love of God, just allowing the Spirit of God to control our actions, our thoughts, our our words, our our motives when when we is of the enemy. And that fear that tries to stop love, perfect love casts it out. So what is perfect love? 
So it's it's it all goes back to one one thing. It's the spirit of God. The perfect love is the word agape. So so God so when it says perfect, that means it's complete. It is there's no imperfection in it. It is it is pure. It is complete. There is no more. It it's the fullness of love. So the fullness of love is the spirit of God that's within it. So I'm, I'm just going to say one more thing in the thread. So, so someday we will stand before God and we will give an account and and as Jerry says, he, he's going to judge everything. Of course, everything that he's already forgiven, he won't judge because he doesn't remember it. It's not written in his book. If we have repented of anything and we have received forgiveness, God has no memory of it. It doesn't exist. It's not written anywhere. The the blood of Christ has has blotted out even the handwriting of the charges against us. So they don't exist. But we will give an account. We will be judged from Matthew 24, 25. Uh, 24, uh, maybe 25, I'm not sure what the verse is. But in Matthew 24, he says he's going to judge the nations. And the nations are, to the Jews, the nations are the Gentiles. So anyone who's not a Jew is a Gentile. So, but he's going to judge the nations. He's going to separate the people, the sheep from the goats. And he's going to, he's going to judge both on the same criteria. He's going to say, When I was hungry, he clothed me. When I was thirsty, he gave me to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. Did I say that already? When, when I was uh, sick or in prison, he visited me. And, of course, he worked. In the in that parable or that saying, even the sheep who he said, "You you did these things," they even asked him, "Well, when did we do it to you, Lord? When did we give you the drink? When did we clothe you? When did we visit you in, in prison?" And he he uh, turned to his right hand and he said, "Whenever you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren." You did it to me. And, the, of course, the ones that he judged and did not love, did not minister to him. He said, whenever you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you, you didn't do it to me. And, the, and so they, he judged them harshly. He judged those who loved. They entered into the to the joy of, to the reward that was uh, was 
was given from the foundation of the world, and that's to be in the presence of God, to be to live forever in love. And uh, so there's two scriptures that tell who his brethren are, if there's any doubt. So he says, in the book of Hebrews, he said, it says that he, Christ, Jesus, is not ashamed to call believers his brethren. And the other scripture is, he was standing outside of a synagogue. Well, he was inside a synagogue. His mother and his brothers were standing outside a synagogue. And, and someone came in and, and, and gave him a message that his mother and brothers wanted to talk with him. And he was teaching in a synagogue to his disciples. And he continued teaching. And then he just said to them, who is my mother? Who, who are my brothers? And he said, It's they who do the will of my Father, which is in heaven. The same are my mother, my brothers, my sister. So who are the least of these, my brethren? It's anyone who's walking in love. It's anyone who's a believer in Christ that is, that is in the body of Christ. So it's, it's when did we see you, Jesus, thirsty and not, not give you or give you to drink or not give you to drink? It's when did we see you, Jesus, sick and in prison? Well, it's everyone who's in the body of Christ. Is, is Christ. So we are his body. So it's very important. The law of love is especially important. It's important to love everybody, but it's especially important because we will be known. Believer, his body will be known as his disciples by what? Our love, by our love that we show one, one to another. That's what will draw people to the church. It's because we, who are born of love, are filled with love, and we live in love, it will draw people because of the love that we show one to another. And then we'll be judged by that love. And because we have love, we enter into the, to the joy of eternal reward. And then I have one more scripture I just want to read that kind of, it, it's part of the thread. It's in Ephesians, the third chapter. There's much more that can be said, but 10 or 15 minutes won't do it. <laughs> so, so, this is talking about so Paul writing to the to the Ephesians 
Let's see if I can find the right scripture. Yes. Starting with verse 14. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And so, to the degree that we comprehend or have revelation of the fullness of the love of God, of the love of Christ that's in us, we're filled with the fullness of God to the degree that we uh, have comprehension or revelation of his love that's in us. It's the spirit that's in us. And then it goes on to a very familiar scripture. It says, and I might read it in my translation. Now to him, now to love who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the love that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So that scripture that says he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ever ask, that we ask or think. But it's according to our comprehension of the love of Christ that is in us. That through that same spirit, through that spirit of love that's in it, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all of it. So, so the thread is that this whole book is a story of the love of God made a man out of love, filled him with love, gave him a command to love. With the nature that he gave him, just love. And spread my love to other people, and you're going to live in love forever with me. Okay, well, I kind of feel like we just ran a race, like this is the baton, and it just got passed to me. So I think every one of you guys should do this because it's actually really fun. Um, we get a chance to study with God for the week.
and say, what do you want to do with me, you know, Sunday? And so a lot of this stuff that we're learning, I feel like, well, maybe some of it's for you guys, but it feels like a awful lot of it was for me. So it's a good thing to kind of coerce us into a place where we really start looking to him for help and, and guidance and teaching. And where are we today, God? What's our lesson plan in my life where I'm at right now in this timeline of my life? Where What do you want to teach me? And it oftentimes, even if you're thinking of it from the standpoint of, I have to speak Sunday, he's still speaking to you like, yeah, I know, but let me tell you about this. And you start realizing it's for you too. So I think everyone, it's a really, be really great for all of you to do it too. Um, but being that the baton's in my hand, I can tell you that I'm following a similar thread as Jerry and Dennis. But my thread kind of has this as its title. He wants us to run with our full potential. He wants us to find out our full potential, who we are, and, and to run our race. And we are all designed so incredibly uniquely. Um, but we don't even have the same fingerprints if you look at it. It's amazing to me that billions and billions of people have been made, and the fingerprint is always uniquely designed for each person. We are uniquely created to run a race, that we are designed to run an excellence. And so where I'm going to start actually is in Revelations. Uh, and it was a verse that he gave me actually weeks before I knew I was going to do any speaking. But I do read in a little, I have a Bible at home that's broken into 365 entries so I can read a Bible in the year. I just like to do it. It just keeps me focused. It's a little Old Testament, a little New Testament, a little Psalms, and a little Proverbs. I like it. And so I was in Revelation because that's part of where I'm at. When you're in December, you're in Revelation. <laughs> um, but in Revelation, I think it's the chapter 17, it talks about, um, I'm going to see if I wrote it down, but it's definitely written in my heart because he's, he spoke it to me. But it's it's about obeying his commandments. It's Revelation 12:17, And it's along the lines of what Jerry was saying, along the lines of what Dennis was speaking about, obeying or keeping his commandments. There's security for us. I mean, you can look at it any way you want to, but I'm telling you, it's security to hear and know his word and follow it. But it also says, in, in, in addition to keeping his commandments, maintain your testimony for Jesus. I love that. I said, I do. I want, when I come to the end of my life, and I'm standing before you. I definitely am happy you're going to say, don't remember that, because I'll be thinking about what I was going to say. <laughs> I hope we don't remember that. Um, but he won't. I'm not saying he won't. I mean, he will, but he won't. Um, but I think, too, the second part really stirs me. Keep your testimony for Jesus. So it makes me think about my testimony. Like, who am I? What am I designed to be? Who am I designed to be? What am I designed to run with? What are my gifts and talents? How should I be using them? What do I do to bring glory to you? Light uh, in the world with my life. It stirs me. And, and it's not something that you just think about for when you're a young person. You know, a lot of times you think about that when you're young because you're like college age or you're thinking about what do I be? What do I become? But in God's world, his children are exceptionally to be used their, your whole life. You're going to be a testimony for your whole life. I mean, it doesn't end when you've had your kids and you're retired or, or any of those other things. There's no real 
there's no real milestones with God. With God, your testimony is as long as you're here. As long as you're here, you have the baton in your hand, and you're running your race. I mean, you're running. And that's kind of where I come to in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. I think it's verses 1 through 3, because I started thinking about races. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. This stirred me up. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us and run the race with patience. That's uh, run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and set down right at the hand of the throne of God, at the right hand of God. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest we be weary and faint in our minds. So his goal was to help us to stay focused on our race. No matter what is coming, no matter what's said about us, no matter what's happening around us, we just keep our eyes focused on the Lord and let him walk us through. Because a lot of times the controversies that are taking place, the devil's definitely trying to use them to stop you from running your race. But the Lord is allowing him to bring those around because he knows if we continue to stay patient and endurant, and follow our path, it's all going to bring glory to God. And people are going to see, there was so much adversity happening here, but that person kept moving. There must be a God. They were excelling in their race in spite of, in spite of the financial thing, the, the relationship thing, the, uh, the, the health thing, whatever. It, they stayed on their course. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Um, he was the author and finisher of it. He showed us how to do it. Endure it. We can do it. With him, we can do it. We can despise all that's going on around it, but we stay focused. And that's where the enemy loses because his focus is in here. If you ever saw Joyce Meyer, she wrote a book, I think, in 1997 called um, The Battlefield of the Mind. Really good book. And you can never read that more than enough times because it really there's little bits and pieces in there that really speak to me. Um, but in her book, she talks about the enemy and his strategy. His strategy is always here because he's a, he's a nervous wreck about us making that whole race happen to the finish line and being exceptional with our race. He don't want it. But we ought to always remember, he's trying to attack us here or with circumstances, but it's always here you want to stay. That's why we read the word like Jerry was saying. You just dive in and eat this book up because the, the Lord is always going to be in here with Holy Spirit saying, yeah, I see that. You know, he's holding your hand the whole time you're going through something, no matter what it is. And he's telling you inside. He may pull up a verse and say, but remember what I said or remember what I told you. It may not even be the word. It may be something he's told you or a dream you had. You have to think Joseph, he got dreams and then he endured all kinds of stuff. For years, but he stayed on course, and he had to focus on the plumb line. The plumb line of, mm, should I have an affair with this woman? I could. It's pretty easy to do. No. What's my race? He stayed in the place of saying, I'm going to run my race with excellence. I want to say my testimony. And we have Jesus. Joseph didn't even have Jesus at the time to focus on. We have Jesus, and so we obey his commands, stay with the plumb line, focus on where we're at, 
and our testimonies for Jesus. But I think he was trying to tell me, and maybe you guys also, because I'm standing here to tell you, but we have to focus on getting in relationship with God so we can hear what is our race. You know, I mean, there's this baseline of race. Yeah, there's going to be times that we can share the gospel with somebody or we can pay for somebody's food in line at the grocery store that maybe they just have a little less and they look embarrassed. I've been there. And you're just like, I, I pull it back. You know, I'll, I'll pay for that part, you know, or whatever. Just those are the things. We are definitely designed to love on everybody and, and to love our fellow man, as Dennis said, that's already a child of God, a family member out there. But then there's this other part that brings a testimony for Jesus that's like, who am I? I know I've got these gifts and talents. I know I'm wired in me that's uniquely designed. And you are. You are wired. At every age, we're wired to do something with our life to be unique and draw people to him. And it will. It will. Um, that's where I'm kind of leading into amazing thing. I, I love to hear testimonies about people, about their life. It just stimulates my my mind and my heart for Jesus. I'm like, oh, wow, that person really brought you glory. Oh, my gosh. What they went through and on the other side, and I'm just so in awe that they did that. It inspires me to go, I want to know who am I and what am I wired to do for my whole life here. And one person, um, I was starting to study a little about the the movie The Secretariat came up on my heart. How many, raise your hands, how many have seen the movie The Secretariat? Oh, this is exciting. Okay, you guys are going to have to rent this movie because um, the director of this movie, his name is Randall Wallace, and I did not know much about him till this week. But the Lord said, yeah, yeah, the movie's great. But you know about my boy? Because Randall Wallace is one of his boys. Randall Wallace is a born-again Christian, and he is a Hollywood director. He's a producer. He's a screenplay writer. And he's a music. He writes, he's written a couple of the songs in that movie. Um, I'm telling you, you don't even know who you are until you say, you know what? I'm done trying to figure out who I am, and I'm done being in charge of my life. I'm going to eat this word, and I'm going to find out who am I and who am I supposed to be on this earth um, at any age. But anyway, so Randall Wallace, um, his focus is Jesus, and his focus is telling stories that are unique and extraordinary at bringing God glory. That's his focus. He's written, he, he, he did this movie, he directed this movie, but other movies he's done are Braveheart, he actually wrote that movie in six months, and his last name also is Wallace. So when he was in Scotland on vacation one time, he just felt inspired by this William Wallace and didn't know much about him. But he also didn't know his own story because his dad's dad, his grandpa, died when his dad was a baby. So they never really got a lineage of who they were. But he knows who he is because he belongs to Jesus. So he got inspired by God to write a movie about a man that a lot of it is folklore. They don't really know a lot about William Wallace. But he wrote this movie in six months, and start, stuff started falling into place. Because I'm telling you, when you run your race, God's going to bring things into the path. Because remember what's God's focus. First of all, to love us. He wants everyone saved. But second, he wants glory. He wants to bring glory from the sunrise 
from a horse, which I'm going to talk about, and a human being. And he loves people. He loves everything he's made, but he really loves people. So he wants to bring glory to himself with your life. So I just want you to, for a second, meditate on the fact that he loves you so much and he wants to use you to bring himself glory. Just think about that. Meditate on that. So there's a full life for me to live that's exciting till I go home with you? Yes, there is. There is. There is. And you will know it as you get to know him. And he starts unfolding things. Doors start opening that you said, whoa, how did that happen? And that's the kind of stuff that this man's life is like. He's not unique. He is a brother in Christ, period. And Jesus got a hold of him. That's what we have to do, too. When you get a hold of him, the world's going to notice it. And the world's going to say, who is God? Because they're afraid, guys. They're afraid. And that's why a lot of crazy things are happening. When you follow God, you don't need to be in charge. You want God in charge so you can do great and unique and wonderful things and enjoy your life. But when God's not in charge in your life, you are scared. You want to abort your baby because I don't think I can do it. I can't take care of my baby. When I was in medical school, my two friends in medical school both had abortions. I can't have a baby right now. I, I got to go through medical school. I got to, I haven't even started my life. I don't even know who I want to marry. This guy, yeah, but he's not the one. No, that's fear. Okay, the reason I bring it up is because there's fear and there's faith, and you always got to keep a plumb line in yourself and say, am I following God right now, or am I afraid? And you got to constantly keep that plumb line in front of you because then you'll run your race. You'll run your race correctly, and you'll know where you're at, and you'll run it with excellence. Um, okay, so Randall Wallace, he wrote this movie, all of a sudden, here's Mel Gibson, who wants to be in this movie, Braveheart. And the story just keeps unfolding. They had 3,000 Irish men. They went there, and they had them involved in this. And they stirred them up like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they had rubber instruments, tools to fight with. And they were supposed to be acting. And um, these guys got all stirred up by the race. And um, Mel Gibson, one of his lines was, um, oh, gosh, sorry. This is so exciting. Um, I'm trying to remember where I was. Every man dies, but not every man really lives, right? So all of a sudden, those 3,000 Irishmen, they were told what they were supposed to do, but they went, yeah, we're going to kill him. And he go, okay, hold on. You guys are not supposed to act like this. You're supposed to be afraid. But see, something stirs people up, you know, and I, I just want you to know he's, he's trying to stir you guys up. <laughs> and he's trying to stir me up, and he's trying to say, do not be afraid, because I'm going to help you run your race. I'm going to put people in your path that need to do what you're going to do for me. Remember, it's always going to be about him, and so he will let you succeed at what you're going to do, and he does want to build you up in your gifts and your talents, and he wants to use them. You are wired. You are wired, um, so let him do it. Don't let the enemy distract you. Don't let life distract you. Don't let circumstances distract you. If you're in a mess, stop. Ask the Lord, how do I get out of this mess? Don't try to figure it out on your own. Let him talk to you about it. Let him help you because that's what he's designed to do. Um, Randall Wallace also did Pearl Harbor, the movie. We were soldiers. He was involved with that movie. Um, his passion was to bring God glory. If that's your passion, 
He's just going to keep using you and using you and using you. And if you stay in that mindset, which is what he did, and he easily could have gotten caught up because every time he was in an interview, and I watched a bunch of them on YouTube, everybody was saying, oh, man, you are a force to be reckoned with. You are this. You are that. Where do you get your inspiration? You're amazing. You, you, you. And he would always say, well, my inspiration is the New Testament. <laughs> I mean, he maintained his focus. And his gifts kept being used and used and used. So I would just suggest all of us, doesn't matter how old you are, continue. Just go to him and say, hey, what do you want? I'm here at this line in my timeline. What, who am I? What do you want to do with me? What, how do you want to use me? Because 2 Timothy 4, 7 is, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept my faith. And you want to hear those things. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, enter your place of reward, right? Well, what's your reward? Well, there's different levels of it. We learned that. One talent, two talent, ten talent. Um, but don't you also want to have fun in this life? I mean, he, he designed us to have fun. He designed us to follow him. He wants to keep us from getting hurt, you know. And even in the circumstances, he's going to... Joseph's story really strikes me because even in the terrible circumstances of someone who you're supposed to have a great relationship with, who's supposed to love you like your brother, you know, a really good friend or a spouse or something, you can still find good. God can still help you have such a strength inside that you can love people that hurt you, you know, and you can still keep on your course because he and you are together. That's never going to change. He's going to walk with you always. There's times when things are kind of hard, and I just sit down, and I just stare at his picture, or I stare at his picture in my mind, and I say, you are always good. You're always good to me. And this guy named Graham Cook, I like to listen to him. He's really a prophet-type person. And he said, we're warriors. And when we're warriors, what warriors do, true warriors do, is worship. So there's times when I just have to sit and start. I just start singing to him. First, you don't feel like it when you're really in a sad place. But you start singing and you realize, nah, this is what I'm about. This is who I am. And it'll, it'll really turn your life around. Um, I don't know if we're going to have time to watch that piece. But I just want to tell you, if we can, we'll decide. You guys can think about it. But um, Secretariat was a movie about a horse and is a race horse. And um, he he did something really unique. This horse ended up winning three races, the um, Belmont Stakes, the Preakness, and the Kentucky Derby. He was a triple crown winner, which is a very rare thing. And in 1973, truly, he was. He did that. And he, he ran a race that I don't even think they've broken the record yet that he did in 73. But every, every length of that race, he got faster. Every one. And he was like a machine. And what was really cool about watching that movie for me was he was like a horse that was just focused on his race. And the horse rider on top of him, he had this gift, a jockey. He he would just let a horse go if they were going to go, you know. And so the owner of the horse, she was a housewife, which is hilarious because she wasn't even in that field, really. Her dad was, but she her dad, it's a story. Okay, try not to tell it all. But anyway, so... She's in the audience, you know, watching this race, and they need this money to happen. You know, God's doing it for them. And she's like, just let him run. Just let him run, you know. And he's running. He's running like a machine. And the way that um, Randall Wallace is depicting it is just to bring God glory. You have to know it. When I watched this movie, I thought, who is running this movie? Because this has got to be somebody who knows Jesus. And I know Disney 
may not be about Jesus. I don't know. But this movie is because in this movie, it starts and finishes with the same place, which I think is kind of fun. Randall Wallace must have fun making it. But it's Job. He starts re- he starts reciting Job 39, um, no, yeah, 39, 19 through 25, when God talks to his friend Job, who you want to be God's friend because he's going to talk to you about stuff, and you're going to be like, really, this is amazing. But he told Job cool stuff about how he made different things in the world and why he made those things. And he talks about the horse and why he made him and how the horse is so ready to fight. Let me at him, let me at him. That kind of thing is what a horse is like. Um, and so the beginning of the movie is Job while this horse is running. He's reciting that those verses in the book of Job. At the end of the movie, is saying the movie's talking about um, uh, the book of Job, and then he takes off, and no one expected this, the way he was running and what happened. And then what Randall Wallace does next makes me cry every time, but he starts playing that old hymn, Oh, happy day, oh, happy day, oh, happy day, oh, happy day. When Jesus walked, and I went, Jesus, he just said, Jesus, I love this movie. When Jesus walked, and that horse is running and running and running, and everybody in the audience, there's people that have money on things, right? So they're going, I want my horse to win. But then all of a sudden, they see what he does. He runs links and links and links ahead, amazing amount of links ahead of all the other horses. And even the people who were against this, we're going and just watching the horse go, and it was silence because now we're watching God move. This isn't about a horse getting a little further ahead and I won so much money. Now it's like, oh, God made that horse <laughs> because that doesn't happen. And that's what we're designed to do. We're designed to live our life. So people say, whoa, that doesn't happen because people are lost out there. And yeah, we can tell them stuff, but sometimes our life speaks really loud. How we live, what we did with our life, because people want to leave a legacy, whether they know God or not. People want to believe their life meant something. They didn't just live and die, you know? So we have that too. We have that obligation. That's why he says it, I think, in the book of Revelation. Obey my commandments and keep your testimony for me. And how do we do it? We fall in love with him. We spend time with him. We learn about who we are by getting to know him. And we let him use our life. So I recommend watch the movie. um, See if it doesn't drive you insane like it does me when I saw it. And um, in other movies he's done, you can listen to testimonies. I hope that when you do listen, though, you'll think to yourself, I want my testimony too. You know, not just, I don't want to just talk about everybody else all the time, which I do, but I want to make sure I'm doing it too. So I guess that's all I want to say. Let's pray. Hey, Father, we love you so much. And we don't want to be distracted by the things of this world, the people, the situations, the circumstances. We want to be a horse with blinders and run our race to bring you glory, to obey you and follow you because you're safe, you're good, you're exciting, you're not boring, God. And we want other people to see that. We want to live a full life. 
We want to bring you glory. We want to enjoy our life forever through the end of this to all time with you. And we celebrate Christmas with you, which is going to be amazing. Christmas with Jesus, with the birthday person, amazing. But, Father, we just ask you to use our life. Make it an exceptional race. Help us follow you. Thank you that we can ask your forgiveness when we miss things, and you'll bring them back around because you want us to do our race more than we do, and we really want it. So, Father, help us to follow you. Thank you for making our life exceptional so that others can want you to. We know you'll use us like you use a horse, like you use a sunrise, like you use anything that you've made. Thank you for today. Thank you for Jesus, your son, who we need desperately. And thank you for his life, his birth, his life, his resurrection. We thank you so much for this. In Jesus' name, amen.